I'm Bonnie Harrison and welcome to the Details Long Read. This week, What's Up With ADHD by Miriam Gooskin, published in North and South's April edition. Once a condition associated with children, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder diagnoses in adults have quadrupled in New Zealand in the past 10 years. What's behind this sudden and extraordinary rise and should we take it at face value? You can find the full article with illustrations by Rachel Salazar in this month's issue of North and South. This is an abridged version of What's Up With ADHD. It's that narrow window of time in the evening, after dinner, where it's not quite late enough to go to bed with a book, but too late to do anything requiring much brain power. That guilty pleasure time. Scrolling time. I slump on my sofa and begin rhythmically swiping through my Instagram feed. A suggested video slides into my awareness. A young, blonde woman is acting out daily scenarios as the text on screen flashes up titles about the traits of Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. These include compulsive cleaning, getting easily frustrated, or being way too early to an event. The short video has 1,093 comments. I keep scrolling. Another comes across my feed. A day in the life of a woman with ADHD, 693 comments. A quick search of TikTok reveals that posts with the hashtag ADHD have been viewed more than 20 billion times. If you've spent any time on social media over the last 18 months or so, you may have noticed an increase in videos and posts like these, which describe things that just hit different with ADHD or show the point of view of a person with ADHD, often set to the latest trending song or formatted to fit a popular meme. There are so many videos on platforms like TikTok and Instagram that there are now ADHD compilations and reaction videos on YouTube. And according to Google Trends, the popularity of the term peaked in January this year, it was being Googled three times as much as it had been two years earlier. In real life, the term has been cropping up more regularly too, like the time my friend apologised for being late by blaming their ADHD brain. I wasn't sure how to respond. I hadn't realised they had ADHD, and I didn't know if ADHD brain was a reference to a diagnosis or just a figure of speech. We commonly think of ADHD as being a condition which affects children, and a lot of work has been done over the last three decades to better inform parents, and teachers in particular, about the condition, and to dispel myths about naughty kids disrupting classrooms. Its prevalence among adults, though, is a much newer phenomenon. Characterised by myriad behaviours like being unable to concentrate, trouble planning, impulsiveness or restlessness, Diagnoses of ADHD are on the up. In this country, 3% of children under 14 were diagnosed as having ADHD in 2022, up from 1.5% a decade ago, according to Ministry of Health Statistics. The number of adults filling prescriptions for ADHD medication has skyrocketed, from around 4,300 in 2012 to almost 22,000 last year. Prescriptions for children under 18 have risen too, 
but not quite as much. That's 8,212 to 19,200 in 2022. Where adult prescriptions used to sit at around half of those for children, now 2,000 more adults than children are receiving prescriptions a year. Others with the condition aren't on medication or are still yet to get a formal diagnosis. What's behind this incredible rise? Are we simply getting better at spotting the signs of ADHD? Or are we experiencing a kind of social contagion, a jumping on the bandwagon, which is, in part, being encouraged by social media? Many adults in New Zealand get their ADHD diagnosis privately through a psychologist or psychiatrist. Children can be diagnosed by a paediatrician. Clinicians rely on a holy grail manual, compiled in the United States, but used by mental health professionals all over the world, called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM. According to the latest edition of the manual, DSM-5-TR, someone with ADHD has to show, quote, a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity, impulsivity that interferes with functioning or development. It goes on to list a host of close to 20 core characteristics in each category, such as having trouble holding attention, seeming not to listen when spoken to and often losing things necessary for tasks and activities, excessive fidgeting or squirming, often talking excessively, and running or climbing where it's not appropriate. Depending on the person's age, they have to show at least five of these behaviours in two or more settings, like work or school, at home, with friends, to a point where it interferes with their life. On top of that, to receive an ADHD diagnosis, the behaviours can't be better explained by another mental condition, like depression or post-traumatic stress disorder. People with ADHD describe it as feeling like they have a hundred thoughts at once, like their brain feels like scrambled eggs, as Dr Sophie Lee Mace, an Elson GP with an interest in ADHD, puts it. Imagine your worst morning possible. You've slept poorly, you're running late, you have to get the kids out the door, you get to school and forgot the permission slip, you drive back home and forget why you went back. For many people with ADHD, that's what it's like inside their brain every day. We all lead busy lives. What's the difference between struggling to keep track of everything and having ADHD? One big difference, and not the only one, is that for an adult to be diagnosed, this frazzled feeling has to have persisted for more than just a tough few weeks or months. They have to show that their symptoms were present before age 12. Often clinicians will also use an arsenal of self-report questionnaires, cognitive assessments and years of training and experience to use their own discretion to figure out whether a patient has ADHD. This can mean dredging up old school reports to look for signs of inattention or underachievement and getting written statements from family members or long-time friends. In this way, ADHD is more like schizophrenia than depression because it's always there, even if just under the surface, and almost always has been. Josie Adams remembers her childhood as a never-ending series of broken bones and stitches. Always a daredevil and risk-taker, most of Adams' breaks or scrapes came from falling off tall things like fences or play equipment. Back then, 
Her reckless activities were only ever really seen as her adventurous personality. Then university hit, and without parental supervision, Adams began what she calls next-level binge drinking, where she felt like she had little control over her impulses. Even sober, I have problems with not being a total dickhead, and being drunk makes that worse, she says. Already struggling to keep friends in the university halls, now Adams was feeling stressed out more and more of the time. My mum said to me, you seem really close to having a mental breakdown a lot of the time. That's when we decided to see a psychologist. We had no idea what diagnosis I was going to come out with, Adams recalls. After months of sessions with the psychologist, answering questionnaires and digging up all her old school reports, at 18, Adams was given a diagnosis. She had ADHD. She says, I was heartbroken because, and I know this is a horrible thing to say, but I thought if it's a mental illness, then it could be something that passes and I just need to get better. But being told that to be able to function like a normal human being, I would need to take pills for the rest of my life, it felt like, oh, I'm disabled. And it felt pretty shitty. Twelve years later, in 2021, Adams was working as a journalist for online magazine The Spin-Off. She wrote a story on the rising trend of self-diagnosis of conditions like ADHD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and autism spectrum disorder, using information gleaned from social media posts and videos like the ones I kept seeing on my Instagram feed, as well as conducting in-depth interviews with people posting the clips and videos. She spoke to multiple people who self-diagnosed as having ADHD, some of whom went on to get a diagnosis from a psychologist, as well as with qualified clinicians who warned of the dangers of self-diagnosis and fixating on or becoming too attached to a diagnosis, which can stop people from feeling like they can, or want to, work to get better. The ferocity of the backlash to the article took everyone involved in publishing it by surprise. Scores of people, many of whom said they had benefited greatly from self-diagnosis, left critical comments on social media or emailed the spin-off directly to complain about the article. Some alleged that it was harmful or stigmatising. Adams' former spin-off editor, Madeline Holden, recalls that emotions among readers were running high. In media, you always anticipate there might be some pushback, she says. A few negative tweets or some people emailing to say they hated the story. This was so beyond that. We were having internal meetings about it. Holden says it was unclear to her exactly what readers were aggrieved at. She thinks now that because the article wasn't 100% encouraging of the idea of self-diagnosis and questioned some aspects of how positively ADHD can be portrayed online, that people felt personally affronted. The response indicated to me that there's a strong identification of these labels as being not just a condition that you have, but that they represent membership to an online community that's very close-knit and supportive, but also very sensitive to misunderstanding or criticism from outsiders, she says. Of course, the irony was that Adams, who has ADHD but who did not disclose that in the story, was better placed than most to understand the nuances explored in the article. (laughs) 
The clinical definition of ADHD has matured as clinicians' understanding of it has grown since it was first defined in the 1970s. Before that, physicians talked about the hyperkinetic reaction of childhood, thought to make kids restless and distractible, but something that would wear off by their teen years. In the 1980s, American psychologists dubbed it attention deficit disorder, with or without hyperactivity, before a revised DSM in 1987 landed on the name Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD. Since 1994, psychologists have recognised that ADHD can take three main forms, hyperactive-slash-impulsive type, inattentive, and a combination of the two. Originally, it was considered something that children grew out of, but now ADHD is considered to continue into adulthood, meaning it might not be detected until someone is in their 20s or older. Our understanding of what causes ADHD has also evolved. There's evidence that genes play a significant role, both in how the brain is wired and someone's tendency to show particular ADHD behaviours. When it comes to the brain, it looks like the frontal cortex, an area responsible for self-regulation, attention, planning and juggling multiple tasks at once, and the limbic system involved in our emotional responses might be built differently in people who have ADHD. It's possible also that there's less blood flowing to these areas and that chemical messengers that work on motivation and mood act differently. In terms of risk factors, being born preterm, suffering a brain injury, having fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or epilepsy are all factors that can contribute to developing the disorder. For most of us unfamiliar with ADHD, our picture of it is stuck somewhere in the 1980s. We imagine scenes of raucous kids in classrooms, fidgeting constantly, having outbursts. That means the inattentive ADHDer, someone who's easily distracted, doesn't follow through on tasks or doesn't appear to be listening, has long been overlooked. That was the story for Wellingtonian Lisette Prende, self-described full-time unicorn, an Instagram and TikTok ADHD advocate with close to 7,000 followers across both platforms. Now in her late 30s, Prende's creative pursuits include acting, singing, painting, sculpting, and publishing fantasy novels. I spend my whole life doing really fun things and trying to be really positive, she says. Coming from a background of anxiety and depression, it was always like, right, I have to make an effort to feel good and have fun and find joy. Prende spent years of teen and adult life being treated for depression. She'd get what she describes as lulls and long-lasting down moods or frustration from not being able to finish tasks. Some of it, she thought, came from low self-esteem, from not achieving what she was capable of at high school. At work, too, she struggled with completing tasks that seemed inconsequential. It wasn't until a friend of 30 years was diagnosed with ADHD that the pieces started falling into place for Prende. She began reading about different manifestations of ADHD. I just kept thinking, wow, this is me. This is me. All of it, she says. Two years ago, at age 38, she was formally diagnosed with ADHD by a psychiatrist. That was an immediate epiphany. Like, this explains everything, she says, making a mind-blown gesture. According to Auckland-based clinical psychologist Rebecca Daly-Peoples, 
women in particular who more often show inattentive behaviours of ADHD, were for a long time almost completely overlooked. It's only been in the last five years that women have really started coming forward with possible ADHD diagnoses. For a really long time, it was considered to only really occur in males, and very rarely in females, she says. Mace, the Nelson GP, describes someone with inattentive ADHD as the daydreamer. They're getting labelled with things like ditzy, daydreamy, lazy, but they're not really causing disruption to anyone else, so it's really easy to miss, she says. Sometimes women will start down the road of diagnosis when they come into the doctor's office with their child who's showing signs of ADHD. Or it's often not until the combined pressure of work, relationships and motherhood that things truly start to fall apart. Up until this breaking point, they go out of their way to hide their symptoms at school and work, says Mace. This is often referred to as masking. Think of the duck floating calmly with its legs furiously paddling underneath the water. The strategies these women use to combat a constantly frazzled, time-blind brain can just look like being really organised. Lots of lists, reminders on their phone, getting to a meeting really early. But as Mace says, the amount of effort that goes into doing that is intense. It's exhausting. Then they don't have that energy or capacity left to do other things, she says. She adds that women feel more pressure societally to have or do it all after decades of being forced into restricting gender roles. Then, when the strategies don't work anymore, women finally seek help. A diagnosis can mean putting a name to the troubles that have plagued them their whole lives. As people with ADHD have taken to social media, awareness by non-clinicians around what the condition looks like has grown. Traditionally, a lot of the information out there about ADHD has been for clinicians, says Sophie Lee Mace. Whereas I think what social media has given us is people's own voices and experiences, which can resonate a lot more with people. She says that brings more people to their GP asking for a formal diagnosis. But for every well-intentioned or factual post, another will be spreading misinformation. One study published in the Canadian Journal of Psychiatry last year estimates that about half of the videos on TikTok about ADHD contain misleading information. One video classed as misleading by the researchers said that anxiety shivers, random noise-making and being competitive are symptoms of ADHD. Many videos would say that certain symptoms, such as relationship problems or mood swings, are exclusive to ADHD, when really they could be signs of multiple other mental health conditions, or just a normal human reaction to life, with no underlying medical cause or reason. It's also true that ADHD exists on a spectrum, where people can experience mild to severe impairment. A catchy but contextless reel or TikTok video listing these behaviours can quickly become the seed for someone thinking they have ADHD when they don't. In some corners of the internet, and perhaps in the real world too, we've focused so much on destigmatization that we've lost sight of the fact that disorders more often than not have negative impacts on a person's life, that there is a middle ground between stigma and superpower. 
That rhetoric can be hugely harmful to those who suffer from ADHD, says Auckland child and adolescent clinical psychologist Sarah Watson, by minimising the struggle and suffering that comes with ADHD. It's serious. It's not nothing, Watson says. You only have to sit with a child or adolescent with ADHD and you can see how difficult that is. It's not a joke. It's not a laziness thing, she says. At its most misleading, influencers are portraying ADHD and other conditions as simply a set of cute, quirky, or even romanticised traits. Mace gets annoyed when people say things like, everyone has a bit of ADHD. We don't say everyone has a little bit of cancer, she says. She says that misuse, or mislabeling people with the acronym, feeds the imposter syndrome that many ADHD patients, especially women, already feel. Almost every person I've helped go through that diagnosis process will say, do I really have ADHD, or am I just looking for an excuse to explain why I'm a terrible person? They've been told throughout their life that they're not meeting expectations and that they're lazy, so they often have this intrinsic view that that's true. Diagnosing ADHD, even by people who have spent their professional lives studying psychology and the brain, is difficult. For one, diagnosis is a lengthy process that, for adults, relies heavily on remembering experiences from childhood. The other difficulty is that ADHD as a condition likes to hang out with other disorders. Mace says about 50% of people who are diagnosed with ADHD have another mental health condition depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, substance abuse or personality disorder are just some of the company ADHD keeps. As part of the DSM criteria, it's vital for clinicians to tease apart which condition is underlying which behaviour, to rule out depression or anxiety being the major contributor, for example. It's a surprisingly delicate balance between accepting ADHD as a real condition and becoming overly attached to the label. Several clinicians and ADHD advocacy agencies I spoke to for this story warned about people clinging to their diagnosis, particularly one that someone gave themselves via social media. When a diagnosis is more of an identity marker than a starting point for understanding or action, it can be harmful rather than helpful, as it can encourage people to adopt a mindset where they feel incapable of change. This raises the question, given how difficult it is to clinically put the ADHD label on someone and the propensity for the label to be misused, how useful is it to have a label at all? Mace is often faced with this very question, particularly when asked about diagnosing kids. Parents wonder whether diagnosis is causing more issues than it's solving. Some will go as far as to avoid an official diagnosis to try and shield their tamariki. My response is always that these kids have labels already. What's a more useful label? ADHD or something inaccurate and harmful like lazy, naughty, disruptive or stupid? Chairperson of ADHD New Zealand Darren Bull says that many adults seeking a diagnosis are searching for closure, a name for the countless demoralising experiences they've had over the years. A lot of these New Zealanders with ADHD wouldn't have been diagnosed in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. They've had some 20 to 30 years of underachievement, and what they're looking for is some kind of validation so they can move forward, he says. One thing is clear, according to the image Bull and others paint. If there are more children and adults with ADHD in Aotearoa, 
then our system isn't ready to cope. According to surveys done by ADHD New Zealand, 80% of the ADHD community report challenges getting support. Long wait times, upwards of eight months for an appointment, and exorbitant costs, averaging around $1,400 just to get a diagnosis. Trying to go through the public system can mean proving your ADHD is severe enough that it's an emergency. One person I spoke to said the doctor asked her if she was going to kill herself, and when she said no, she was sent home and told to seek help through the private system. Even if an adult makes it into the public system, the quality of the service adults get from psychologists and psychiatrists can vary hugely, Sarah Watson says. It leaves those trying to get a diagnosis confused about wondering how accurate their diagnosis truly is. That was What's Up With ADHD by Miriam Gooskin, published in North and South's April edition. The Detail's long read is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. We'll be back next week with another long read. Ka kite anō.